You are Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen of every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Alex Frank here with you on this Friday, January 21st of 2022. Cincinnati, the Bearcats blowing out Tulsa last night, 90-69. to Improving to 14 and 5 on the season, 4 and 2 in American Athletic Conference play. That's a great win into a rare weekend off for the Bearcats this time of year. And I was really impressed with what I saw last night from Cincinnati. They are continuing to round into a really fun team to watch. And I want to say they're turning into a really good team to watch. Like, I watched this team play and. I'm seeing a lot of things that are Bearcat basketball-centric, as was established over the course of 30 years from Bob Huggins and Mick Cronin, and I'm also seeing some new things. I'm seeing almost what John Brandon wanted to implement here, but could not, and Wes Miller is. Cincinnati beats Tulsa 90-69 last night, as I mentioned. Let's go through some key stats from the game. Jeremiah Davenport, once again, was absolutely on fire. 24 points, 7 of 14 from the floor. All seven made field goals coming from three, where he was 7 of 9. David DeJulius chips in 20. He was 6 of 13 from the floor, 4 of 6 from three. Mason Madsen had 14 points. He was 5 of 6 from the field, 4 of 5 from three. And that was great to see because he was struggling for three-point shooting coming into this game. He was shooting 29.3%. The only thing that I would say I didn't like was Cincinnati turned the ball over. I think they were playing a little faster last night than they've played in other games this season. But, I mean, you'll take those. You'll take those for shooting 47% from the the floor the entire game and and, uh, 55% from three. You will definitely take those. Um, total rebounds, the Bearcats had 41. Tulsa did have 31 as well. They had, Tulsa had too many offensive rebounds, 215. But I'm just looking at the Bearcats' offensive numbers. Micah Adams-Woods had another fantastic game. 14 points, 4 of 9 from the floor, 7 assists. I'm looking at 4 assists from Mike Saunders Jr. He had 11 points, 4 of 7 from the floor. No one really had... The contribute. I mean, yes, Jared Hensley was only one of five from the floor, but I'm looking at all the other scorers. Adams Woods, even four of nine. You'll take that. You'll definitely take DeJulius, six of thirteen. Davenport, seven of fourteen. And in doing so, you held Tulsa to thirty-eight percent shooting from the floor, and they attempted eleven more shots than Cincinnati did overall. The Bearcats only attempted sixty-two shots. The the Golden Hurricane attempted seventy-three. Tulsa was 3 of 14 from 3. So Tulsa had fewer 3-point attempts. The Bearcats had 3-point field goals made. That is... I, I mean, I don't know how many times you see that in a box score. I feel like you don't see that very often. And again, I talked about it yesterday. I talked about it leading up to this game. What has to happen for... Cincinnati to make an NCAA tournament run. Well, number one, you got to beat teams like Tulsa. Tulsa wasn't very good coming in. 
They were 6-9 overall, uh, 0-4 in the conference, and this game was close. This game was really close to start the second half. The Bearcats only led by 7 at the half, and they outscored Tulsa by 14 in the second half. So, I didn't mention this, but it goes to show you that when you finish the game, when you play better in the second half than you did in the first half, that can go a long way. Number two is they had to continue to get better from three-point shooting. Well, this is now the fourth time in the last five games they've made 10 or more threes, and this time might have been their best. 16 of 29. 16 of 29. Davenport hits seven threes. Madsen hits four. DeJulius hits four. Uh, Hayden Koval hit one. There are, I mean, they are getting some really good production for three-point shooting, and what it shows you is if this team does fall behind, which they have at times this season, they're never really out of it. Hit a string of threes, two to three, that's six to nine points. That can get you back in any game or even make up the deficit entirely. So number three was they, they can't afford, Jeremiah Davenport had to get hot at the right time. Jeremiah Davenport has been red hot as of late. I mean, he has had some unbelievable games. 24 points. I think tonight was his fifth game of the season with 20 points or fifth straight game with 20 or more points. He has been just on an absolute tear as of late. And, you know, one of the keys I mentioned was getting to the AAC championship game, but, you know, we won't know that until until March. So beat, it, beat, beat the bad teams in the conference, check. Three-point shooting, check. Rebounding the ball better. Well, they tied in rebounds tonight. Let's go through the rebound totals. Seven from Odio Guama. Six from Hayden Koval and Jared Hensley. You had three from Mason Madsen. Two from Abdullah Du. Two from David DeJulius. By the way, Abdullah Du had a really rough game. Two rebounds. 0 for 1 from the line. Didn't attempt a shot or a three-point shot. Uh, picked up four fouls in 14 minutes and he started the game. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, we mentioned rebounding. They had to get better at that. You know, they tied tonight, which is okay. Not great. So, beat the, be a bad team, check. Get better rebounding. I don't want to say check, but I don't want to not say check either. Um, get better at three-point shooting, check. Jeremiah Davenport getting hot, check. And then we won't know about the conference tournament. So, for the most part, they did at least three of the five things that they can do right now to improve their their standing going into the NCAA tournament. And this is a like this is a game I'm watching what I'm watching the game. And this thought comes to mind and I'm watching Frank Hafe, Tulsa's head coach. And he's on the he's on the bench with about a minute to go and he's like man, we just got our ass whooped by these Bearcats. And I I just think about, you know, how that must feel for him. For him to watch all that film, grind away, prepare a game plan with his coaching staff and his players, spend all that time in the gym, you know, travel from Tulsa all the way to Cincinnati, and you come in late at night and you get your butt whooped. How must that feel? I mean, that's got to feel just awful to think about that. And I think sometimes as Bearcats fans over the years, 
we take for granted how hard it is to win in conference play because they did it so frequently against teams they should beat, like Tulsa. You know, I, I, I read an article that Justin wrote, Justin Williams in The Athletic, and this was during the 18-19 season. And he wrote it on how the Bearcats go about putting together their scouting reports. And it was fascinating. You know, how many games they watch, you know, how many, you know, how they break it all down and deliver to the players. You know, there's a certain coach that prepares a scouting report for a certain game, and there's so much that goes into it. You know, how do you defend against, you know, ball screens? How do you, you know, what's this player's tendencies or that player's tendencies? And you, you know, there's so much that goes into it. You think basketball is a much simpler game than football, and it might, and it is. I believe that. But it's there's still a complicated game. You know, you have to understand, you know, when to call a timeout or when to, you know, call this player, when to whatever it is, how you're going to defend a player. Do you force him right? Do you force him left? There's so much that goes into preparing for a team. And we take it for granted. Oh, the Bearcats should beat this team. They're, they're not that good. Yeah, they should. But that's what watching Frank, that's what seeing Frank Haith like that last night made me think about. How it must feel for a team like Tulsa to come in here after putting in the work to prepare for the game and traveling and then to get their butt whooped. And then, you know, for a team like Cincinnati, sometimes we take for granted how hard it is to beat teams consistently like they beat Tulsa last night. It has to be difficult. It, it, it does. There is still a level of difficulty in uh, and some you know hard work put in for the game plan, watching the film, you know executing the game plan, not getting caught up in the fact that the team you're playing is not very good. There is a lot that goes into it, and I think we can take it for granted sometimes. Don't though, because we've seen over the years so many upsets in college basketball a la Stephen F. Austin over Duke. I mean, the Bearcats lost to UCF at home two years ago. That was an upset. It wasn't a good loss. The Bearcats lost at ECU three years ago. That's why last night's win's a good win. They were coming off a huge road win at Wichita State, and they came back and played a better game. Matter of fact, they played a better second half than the than the first half. That's what I liked the most. They kept their foot on the gas. They were already up by double digits, and then Mason Madsen comes in and starts swishing threes. If he continues to get that to have that stroke for the rest of the season, I mean, this team can be really good. If Mason Madsen's hitting threes. In addition to what Jeremiah Davenport's going to give you on a nightly basis and David DeJulius, and if Hayden Koval continues to ascend, this team is going to be a really fun team to watch. I think a good team, and I hope they develop a trait that I that I want teams, that I want my teams to have, and that is be hard to knock out, be hard to beat, be tough, be the toughest team. And the best part about it is the Bearcats are off this weekend. They're off this weekend. They go to 
Temple next Tuesday, that's not going to be an easy game. It's never easy going to Philadelphia. You've seen the games there over the years. I know they've won their last however many games there. In my four years at Cincinnati, they've won all four games at Temple. But let me run through the scores for you just in case you forgot. 55-53. That was my freshman year. My lord, that was a brutally tough game to watch. Jacob Evans hitting the game winner with four-tenths of a second left. And had it not been for a technical foul on Temple head coach Fran Dunphy, that game might have turned out differently. 2019 was a fun game to watch, even though the Bearcats only won by four. They were down 14. They came back to win by four. They out-rebounded Temple 47-22 in that game. That was a fun game to watch because Temple was really good that year. My junior year, they won 89-82. Jaron Cumberland scored 22 points, 21 in the second half. My senior year, their first game after their COVID layoff, they won 63-60. Temple's never an easy place to play. It's never easy to play there. But Cincinnati has the team to go in there and win. They're tough. They're Philly tough. And they'll be more Philly tough than Temple next Tuesday, I believe. More coming up on Locked on Bearcats. All right, so this is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system to power your growth with visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. You can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of survey businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite for the new year. NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash locked. Head to NetSuite.com slash locked for this special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash locked. Once again, thank you for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen of every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Alex Frank back here with you. All right, time to get into some football talk and... I was puzzled by this earlier this week, but now it makes sense to me. Because I don't think any of us knew this. But apparently, as The Athletic confirmed and reported this week, my good friend Justin Williams over at The Athletic, confirmed and reported that uh, Gino Gadouli assumed primary play-calling duties last year. So... What does that mean? Well, it means any criticism that you targeted towards Mike Denbrock is now was unwarranted because he wasn't the one calling the plays. And it means that Gadouli does have play calling experience because he is now elevated to the Bearcats offensive coordinator. And this is a move that I'm sure most of you wanted. It sure is a move I wanted. But now that I know that he was primarily calling the plays last year. So, for those of you who criticize too many running plays, 
in goal-to-go situations. For those of you who criticize not using the tight ends very much in the Cotton Bowl, that's not from Mike Denbrock. That is because Gino Caduli was inexperienced calling plays. But yet, the Bearcats felt he was experienced enough and qualified enough to call the plays because of his work with Desmond Ritter, because of his work, because of his work as the passing game coordinator. You saw the results in that five-game stretch in 2020. I saw them too. So, now my perception is that my perception earlier this offseason was Gino Gannulli being promoted to offensive coordinator is the right move, but I've got some mixed views on it. I don't feel that way now. In fact, I am going to maybe be a little overconfident now that I know. I think Gino Gannulli is going to be a really good offensive coordinator. So long as he grows as an offensive coordinator and is aggressive. He has to be aggressive. The Bearcats are going to still have a team next year that can warrant aggressive play calling. They're going to have the speed at receiver with Trey Tucker and Tyler Scott. They are going to have a quarterback that can either A, uncork a deep ball like Ben Bryant can, or B, utilize dual threat abilities like Evan Prater can. So that warrants aggressive play calling. Now, depending on who is the starting quarterback, your offense might look a little different. I was on record saying recently that the Bearcats, with the returning with, with with the returns, excuse me, of Josh Wiley and Leonard Taylor, should lean towards more of the run game. I now think the Bearcats should be aggressive on offense because your running back room, the more I think about it, is largely unproven. Yes, Ryan Montgomery is still here but he's going to have to take on a larger role. And I think you can utilize him in the passing game with his speed. So, and his elusiveness. So there's five things. So what I mean by Gino Gadulli growing as an offensive coordinator and being aggressive. Number one, you cannot go conservative. Because if you go conservative in this in this game in college football, there aren't, there aren't enough games to where... You can go into a post-game press conference and say, yeah, I got too conservative. That'll keep me up at night. No, because especially in Cincinnati's case, if you're aspiring to get back to the college football playoff, you can't take you, you can't take any games off. You can't take any possessions off. Like Zach Taylor got too conservative in the Bengals' 13th game of the season against San Francisco. But because the NFL playoffs takes 14 teams out of 32 as opposed to just four in the college football playoff, the Bengals and Zach Taylor was able to learn from his mistakes. Never should have happened. But anyway, he learned from his mistakes. The Bengals had enough games to rebound. They did. They won their next three games, won the division, and now they're moving on to the playoffs this weekend. In college football, you lose one game, especially at the mid-major level. Eh, your playoff chances at least take a huge hit or they are gone. You cannot be conservative if you're Gino Gadulli. Number two, you have to get the newcomers because there are going to be some new faces on this offense, especially a quarterback and running back. I don't care if Ben Bryant has been here and he's appeared in 11 games. He's only started one. And the one game he started was, yes, an important game, but the Bearcats have come even farther since then. Or they've, gone, they've come even farther since then. So... You have to get your your newcomers to believe in you. The players who didn't play a lot last year, like Ryan Montgomery, Evan Prater, you have to get those guys to believe in what you are trying to do on offense. If you send a message to 
those newcomers and those new faces in big roles. If you send the message of, you know what, we're going to run you out there and we are going to give you every opportunity to make a play. Oh yeah, they'll want to come, they'll want to play for you. They will want to be in your offense. But if you say, yeah, we're, you know, you guys are developing, but we're going to be, and Gino won't, and Gino will say this to them maybe, he won't say this to the media, he would say, yeah, we're going to, you know, you guys are going to be out there primarily as run blockers and decoys and, you know, anything that doesn't have to do with you getting the ball and a lot of touches. I don't know how well that's going to sit with somebody like Tyler Scott, who's trying to recover from what Alec, who's trying to replicate what Alec Pierce was to this offense for four years. You have to send the message to the team this year especially as a new offensive coordinator. Hey, we are still going to be an aggressive team. We are still going to air it out. We are going to utilize our tight ends. We are going to create mismatches. We are going to get you out on we are going to get you out in space to make plays. Elusiveness. Like that Tyler Scott touchdown against Temple or Leonard Taylor and Josh Wiley getting out in space, getting open and creating impacts. That's what you want to hear if you're a newcomer to this offense. And that goes for Really, the entire offense. Because they know how Geno calls games. It's just so fascinating to me that we just now found this out. Number three, there's the they have the talent, Cincinnati, to be aggressive. There is a lot of talent on this team to be aggressive. You have the aerial attackers in Tyler Scott and Trey Tucker. You have them to use, if you want to use them with creativity and misdirection plays. You have Ben Bryant's arm. You have Evan Prater's running ability. I'm not saying the Bearcats should use both quarterbacks in the same game because I think that's going to, you know, potentially mess with the confidence of one of them, if not both. But there is something to that. If you want to bring in Prater for a package of plays, if you end up taking Ben Bryant as your starter, it is going to be very interesting to see what the offense looks like depending on who is the starting quarterback for this team. Number four, the offensive line will be experienced enough to include aerial attacks. That's a little specific. But I'm saying the offensive line, every starter from last year's offensive line is returning. By the way, Lorenz Metz, you can get on him all you want. He was a first-team All-AAC selection last year. Like, that is significant for a player who single-handedly had a huge, was a huge reason why the Bearcats' offense went completely dormant in the second half of the Peach Bowl against Georgia. Now, you have a first-team all-AAC selection coming back. You've got John Williams. You've got Jake Renfro. You've got uh, James Tunstall. You've got Lorenz Metz. You're going to have your, you got Dylan O'Quinn. You're going to have your entire Offensive line back. Here's this. Justin in the athletic. Offensive depth chart 1.0. Offensive line projected starters. James Tunstall at left tackle. Jeremy Cooper. Sorry, Jeremy Cooper at left guard. I forgot about him. Jake Renfro at center. Lorenz Metz at right guard. Dylan O'Quinn at right tackle. And then your backups. Um, John Williams, Cam Jones, Mayo Glenn, or Mayo Glenn, Joe Huber, Gavin Gerhardt. Like, this offensive line, it, it's going to be, I think, better this year. 
So if you're Gino Gadulli and if you're the quarterback, whoever that's going to be, Brian or Prater, you're going to have an you're going to have an experienced offensive line blocking for you. And that's why I think this Bearcats team is going to remind me so much of 2018. It might do the same for you. Because remember how good that offensive line was in 2018? They had Morgan James. They had um, Cole Calhoun. They had... Um, I'm blanking now. They had... Oh, jeez, now I'm really blanking. Um, th that offensive line was just really solid all season. Um, Garrett Campbell, Jakari Robinson filled in admirably. There was a lot to like on that offensive line from 2018. It was so driven through the trenches. I'm trying to think of who else was on that offensive line, and now it's escaping me. It shouldn't. But anyway, that offensive line was so good at just creating running lanes for Michael Warren, keeping Desmond Ritter upright, you know, allowing him to escape the pocket if he had to, give him enough time to connect with his receivers, Medeiros and Pierce, and Khalil Lewis, and Josiah DeGuara, all those guys. That's what that offensive line did for Cincinnati in 2018. Number five, you have to know your personnel. I think Gino Caduli knows his personnel. Now, I will say this. That's based off of last year. The Bearcats team is vastly different this year. There are Desmond Ritter... Alec Pierce and Jerome Ford aren't walking, aren't walking through the door. Who is though is a new is a new starter at quarterback. There's going to be a new um, running back depth chart this year. You're going to have Ryan Montgomery. You're going to have you know some options to work with at running back, led by Ryan Montgomery. But you're also going to have Charles McClellan. He's going to be an impact. I, I feel Ethan Wright, Miles Montgomery. Ethan Wright had some flashes last year in the Temple and UCF games. When the games when the games were effectively over, he came in and he was productive. So there's a lot to like there. Gino Gadulli, though, now that we know he was calling the plays last year, I think he's going to be a, a really good offensive coordinator as long as he does those things I just mentioned. And I I just think, you know, for as many questions, and I'm gonna get to my questions coming up, my questions and concerns for the Bearcats. But I'm also going to get to what I'm excited for um, this offseason. What I'm excited for, and really going into next year. Football is a 24-7 sport. And I know that you might, you might be fearing the Bearcats are going to drop off a little bit. But who says they can't reload this year and eventually build back towards a year like last year? That can also happen. We'll get to more next here on Lockdown Bearcats. But first, Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year, there's a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today. And receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. 
Once again, thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Alex Frank here with you. On today's episode, um, four playoff games. You can, of course, make your bets on them with BetOnline AG. Four NFL playoff games this week. Bengals, Titans. I'm going to take the Titans in that game. The Titans are three-and-a-half-point favorites. I I think it's going to be a really competitive game, but the Titans just play such a unique physical brand of football. I don't know if the Bengals are going to be able to overcome it. Albeit this game, I think the Titans win 31-24. I'm going to take Green Bay. They're five-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm going to take them to win outright. I think they're going to win convincingly 34-20 over San Francisco Saturday night. Uh, my upset of the week, I'm going the Rams as three-point underdogs to win outright 27-20 at Tampa Bay Sunday afternoon. And then Buffalo, Kansas City. I'm going to take Buffalo right now. The line on that game is Kansas City at minus one-and-a-half point favorites. Um which I should say, Tampa Bay's a three-point favorite. Yeah, I did say that. So, uh, Kansas City, a point-and-a-half favorite. I'm going to take Buffalo to win outright 38-31. So, those are my um, picks this week. Two home teams, two road teams winning this week, setting up uh, what will be great conference championship games, Buffalo, Tennessee, and then Rams-Packers. Uh, those will be really good conference championship games. Anyway, um, so I mentioned I was going to... Uh, before we went to um, that live read and ads, I was I, I said I was going to give you what I'm excited for this offseason with the Bearcats, what I have questions about, um, what I'm concerned about, um, which really questions and con- questions and concerns are the same deal. So without further ado, what I'm excited for this offseason are the players that are returning, key contributors from teams over the years, especially last year's college football playoff team. So, you have the returnees of Josh Wiley and Leonard Taylor. You have the returnees of, on defense, you have Malik Van, Jabari Taylor. You have Javon Hicks returning. You have a lot of key players that are coming back that are returning. You have your whole offensive line returning. Uh, That was my fourth thing I'm excited for, so I can lump that into the first thing. So, there... There are, I feel like I'm missing a key player in there that is returning. There were so many of them that announced they are deciding, that they decided to return. Uh, Hicks, Taylor, Wiley, uh, Jabari Taylor, Leonard Taylor, Malik Van, Jawan Briggs. So I am excited to see how they develop. I am excited, continue to develop. I'm excited to see if they can continue to make that impact that they have made in all these last few years. Number two, that Cincinnati is coming off a college football playoff appearance. And I know that might be a li- that, that might be, you know, something that I don't need to talk about a whole lot. Maybe something I shouldn't overstate. But I am going to because it is a significant accomplishment for a university like Cincinnati to make a college football playoff that is exclusive to, unfortunately exclusive to Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. And teams like that. And you you think about how hard it is for some schools like even Ohio State to make the playoff as much as Alabama does. And the University of Cincinnati was able to make it. A group of five school, a program that 30 years ago lost 81 to nothing to Penn State. Then now you're playing for the college football playoff on New Year's Eve in Dallas against Alabama. That is a significant deal. That is something that you can pitch to recruits. 
That is something that gives you exposure. That is something that can help your university's reputation as a football school moving to, excuse me, the Big 12. There is significance on many levels with making a college football playoff. And Luke Fickle talks about how this universe, how he wants this program every year to play for championships. And he overstates that. I kind of get annoyed by that. But I understand that if you're playing for championships, the rest will play itself out. And that's just him basically taking it one step at a time. You play for a championship, then you get to, you know, a bowl game, whether it's a New Year's Six bowl game or a college football playoff game. Like, there is there's something to making the college football playoff. It's a significant accomplishment that the Bearcats have done that. Number three, Gino Gadulli being the offensive coordinator. Now that we know that he called plays last year, that he was the primary play caller, which, caller, which I, I'm, I'm, I'm dumbfounded by that. I'm dumbfounded by that, honestly. In a good way. I had no idea. So he, because especially because here, here's all of us, me, you, everybody's criticizing Mike Denbrock for, you know, his play calling, and it turns out that it wasn't him. Like, how funny is that? It's just, to to read that and then think about just the the comedy of it, the irony of it, the, I, I don't even know, it's like, it's one of those things that you don't even know what to say because you almost feel guilty that you criticized Mike Denbrock, and I do too, but, but hey, at least, I mean, there were times, I mean, there were a lot of times that we criticized the play calling, but I didn't really hear about it a whole, I didn't hear about it when the Bearcats were winning and playing well, and it just shows that Gino Gadulli had the trust in Desmond Ritter, especially on that drive, on that final scoring drive in Notre Dame to say to Ritter, go win it, go win this game for us, go put this game away for us, and he did, and then you think about, it's funny how, and he, uh, scratch that thought, you think about you know, uh, any other situation, um, the three scoring drives to start the second half against Houston in the championship game. You think about bringing the Bearcats back against Indiana and Gadouli lead and Gadouli being the play caller. Now, Mike Denbrock, you know, still now the criticism might still be warranted because yes, Gadouli's the play caller, but Denbrock is the offensive coordinator. So he is the leader of the, so he is the head of the offensive coaching staff. He's putting the offense together, putting the plays and the packages together for Gadouli to utilize. So there is something to that. But Gino calling the plays, at the end of the day, he's calling the plays. What plays should we call in this situation, in this situation? And the fact that he was able to do that last year for a team that had high aspirations. This team will too. That gives me a lot of confidence. And then, like I mentioned, number four, the offensive linemen that are returning. The offensive linemen, you're going to have five starters from last year, all five starters coming back. That's going to make life easier for whoever's the new quarterback. You know, it's going to make it easier for the new running back to find their lanes, their running lanes to, you know, rack up yards and move the ball down the field and the Bearcats to score points. That is going to be key for Gadula. It's going to be key for the quarterback. It's going to be just... You know, the offensive line last year I thought was good. It it was better than what it was two years ago. I thought 2020's offensive line was really dang good. 
Last year's kind of took a little dip, but James Hudson was so good that, that maybe that was why. There's a lot to like here with the offensive lineman returning. But I'm also um, questioning some things. I'm concerned about some things. So number one is who's the quarterback? And I think that's going to be the dominant talk of spring ball. It's going to be the dominant talk of, um, you know, the whole offseason. You know, and when they do make that decision, whenever that will be, I think it's. Not, I don't think it's going to come until fall camp and higher ground. I think it's going to be. I, if I had to say someone right now, I'm going to say Ben Bryant because I don't have to talk myself into it. I, and I'm not sure if I want Ben Bryant to start. I think it's going to be, but who? But who is that starting quarterback? It's going to be a storyline that is going to last from now. All the way until, gosh, maybe the week of the first game of the season at Arkansas. Number two, who replaces Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant? My lord. I think those might be harder to replace than Desmond Ritter. Because it's Sauce and Bryant that were All-Americans, and Bryant won a Jim Thorpe Award. It was Sauce Gardner who didn't allow a touchdown in his career. I mean, those guys, what they did as lockdown corners was just incredulous. So, now you're talking about who is replacing those two. J.Q. Hardaway is going to have a say in it? I have no idea, honestly. We'll see with Justin Williams when he comes out with this defensive depth chart. And when I say I don't know, like, it, it can be anybody. It can be, you know, Sammy Bumpus. It can be, you know, any player that I mentioned previously, um, like J.Q. Hardaway. It, it's just going to be Justin Harris, whomever it's going to be. Uh, they are going to have some Sammy Anderson. It's going to be... You know, they're going to have some large shoes to fill. Number three, do they adjust the defense? I think one thing that frustrated you and me together is the Bearcats did not get out of their 3-3-5 defense. It worked a lot of the time last year. But when you play a 3-3-5, you don't have an extra defensive lineman up front. That makes it easier to run the football. Alabama easily recognized that. And Mike Dressel did not make that adjustment. Mike Dressel did a good job this year. Why? Because the defense was still as good as it was in 2020 and 2019. But he didn't do anything significant to better it like Marcus Freeman did. If the Bearcats are going to be a really good defensive team next year, I think they have to get out of 3-3-5. Because you don't think Arkansas is going to realize, oh, we can run on these guys. Come out in the first game against Arkansas... 4-3 or 4-4-3 see what they see how they react. I guarantee you they're not going to run the football. They're going to they're going to um divert to a passing attack. They I think they have to adjust the defense. I think that is if they had played if they did not play 3-3-5 and did not allow Alabama to run for 300 yards. I am very curious to see how that game would have played out. I'm not saying Cincinnati would have won. But this is how great the Bearcats were last year. They were in that game in the fourth into the fourth quarter, playing that defense, getting shredded by Alabama's running game. If that wasn't the case, if they did not run the football like that, and if they did not play 3-3-5, the Bearcats, that game could have been a lot different. Uh, it might have been lower scoring. It might have been something like 20-6. It might have been. Those are my questions. Those are my concerns. I'm going to try and get Justin Williams on the show next week. Um, men's basketball talk will be a dominant thing next week. The Bearcats are off this weekend. They got a road game at Temple next Wednesday. Or, uh, they got a road game at Temple. 
on Tuesday. They have a, a road game Sunday at ECU. Uh, it's going to be a great weekend. you got the NFL playoffs. Uh, of course, there might be some football breaking news. Baseball season starts soon for the Bearcats. There's a lot to like here. Women's basketball is on the road this week. Um, so there is a lot going on as always. And you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's, N-N-A-T-I. You can follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore. And you can email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. That's Alex, all lowercase, the number three, Frank at gmail.com. Thank you as always for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. Now stay tuned. To make your second listen, Lockdown Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your sports gambling needs. Lockdown Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Until we talk to you on Monday, January 24th, have a great weekend. Enjoy the NFL playoffs, and we will talk to you on Monday.